So higher interest rates are leading to lower housing starts, and that could be a problem. This is the Missaga Life. I'm Sean Jaffrey. So interest rates are high. They've just been higher recently in June. Uh, there's a talk about from the Bank of Canada about raising the interest rates again sometime in July. If it doesn't happen in July, there's about a 70% chance it's going to happen sometime in September. Uh, that's when the next announcement is. But as it is with the current high interest rates, there's already a sizable effect on consumer spending, on household spending, and everything is kind of, you know, everything is linked together. So we got to take a look at what's going on, how it's kind of affecting the real estate housing starts, and how could that be a problem later down the road? So the most obvious one, obviously, is increased borrowing costs. When interest rates are high, people don't take out loans as much or even use their credit cards. Higher borrowing costs discourage people from making large purchases or even taking on additional debt. Uh, a lot of what we saw in the last few years was uh, investment properties being bought by using home equity line of credit or doing refis or refinancing at really, really low rates. Doesn't make sense to do that now because property is not appreciating at the same rate that it was before and interest rate is higher. So the reduction, uh, this reduction in borrowing can limit spending on major things like uh, homes. Uh, let's not forget uh, reduced disposable income. High interest rates can also affect disposable income, which is the amount of money households have after taxes and everything have has been deducted that they're going to be using to, you know, maybe do some sort of renovation, finishing their basement. Uh, they're not going to be doing that anymore, or even maybe even moving up to a bigger home because they just don't have that space left. Uh, so, more and more people who don't absolutely have a very, very strong pain point are not making moves up or down because uh, getting out of their low rate mortgages right now and moving into something, you know, at a four or 5% interest rate is just not very practical. And higher interest rates are almost always accompanied by lower confidence in the economy and just everything overall. So high interest rates can create certainty and damper consumer confidence. When individuals are concerned about their financial stability and the cost of borrowing, they tend to be more cautious with their spending. Uh, this cautious approach can lead to decreased consumer demand, impacting various sectors of the economy. Interestingly enough, for some people, this is sort of more of an opportunity. Uh, higher interest rates can make it more attractive for some individuals to save money rather than to spend it or to invest in something like real estate. Uh, this is because higher interest rates offer higher returns on savings and investments. As a result, households may choose to allocate a larger portion of their income towards savings if there is anything left over uh, at the end of the month or investment vehicles reducing the amount available for immediate consumption. So now let's talk about the supply and demand issue. Uh, housing starts uh, have fallen by the largest amount since 2008. Uh, Canadian housing starts were down 22.5% month over month in May to hit 202,000 on an annualized basis versus the expectation of 240,000 housing starts. This represents the steepest monthly pullback since 2008, particularly notable is a trend in the detached segment where housing starts are similar to those in the COVID lows. This comes on the heels of a record decline in building permits, which tend to lead housing starts by several months. The inflation-adjusted value of building permits issued plunged 18% month over month in April, an unprecedented monthly decline that surpassed the 17% drop in April 2020 at the onset of the COVID lockdowns. 
Now, the value of permits issued in real terms fell to the second lowest level in record going back to 2011. And let's not forget that construction accounts for a record of 8% of all jobs uh, in Canada, while residential building activity remains near a record share of GDP. Employment in that sector was effectively flat in May, even as the broader labor market shed 40,000 full-time positions. Uh, but that looks set to change based on current trends. At the same time, I'm hearing on CBC just actually today while I was driving to the gym that we're uh, looking at a potential shortage of labor in construction because a good chunk of this workforce is going to be retiring soon, which makes me wonder, can we solve problems like this with NPRs? You know, uh, NPRs being a non-permanent resident. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about Canada having, you know, a crazy population growth in the last year. Um, Canada's population, this is based by, this is based on StatsCan. Canada's population has surpassed 40 million people. According to StatsCan, the population growth rate currently stands at 2.7%. That's the highest annual growth rate since 1957. Uh, Permanent residence admissions are slow compared to the years before. And these are people who are coming here. Uh, they have job prospects. Uh, they're going to live here, raise a family, et cetera, et cetera. But non-permanent uh, residents, which are people that come here temporarily for jobs, uh, maybe students, this has surged. And in April, the number of permanent residents admitted to Canada in April fell to $29,000, uh, 29,000 people. Uh, this was down 20% from the same month in 2022. At the same time, admissions for non-permanent residents exploded to a record 183,000 on the back of a 70% year-over-year jump in study permits and a 130% increase in temporary workers through the International Mobility Program. Now, the not net numbers, because obviously this can be a a lot of people that leave that year as well, you know, along with the people that are coming in. But the data is still, it shows a very sort of bullish rental demand, given that this uh, segment doesn't really purchase, they tend to rent. It's why a condo townhouse is now renting for $3,500 in the GTA. And for those with investment properties, that may be good news. They're, you know, with the rising interest rates, they're making more money. And, uh, you know, even though there's, there's hardly positive cash flow, but it's, it's a better situation for investors. But for renters, not so much. Either way, balance sheets for Canadians is improving or has improved uh, despite the delinquencies that are rising. Net worth rises but remains skewed to housing, household net worth. So housing net worth rose uh, a solid 3.4% in Q1, but remains 3.1% below year-ago levels. It's a good reminder that even though Canadians are highly indebted, there are still substantial assets that are backing these debts. All those liabilities are being backed, and a chunk of that, a good chunk of that, is in real estate. In fact, as of Q1, Canadian households on average held $6.5 in assets for every $1 in debt. So the issue is not that all of these assets are particularly liquid uh, and can be easily sold to help meet obligations in a pinch. Canadian households continue to have a near record share of assets tied up in residential real estate, leaving their balance sheets heavily exposed to a potential price change in housing values. To add to that, credit stress is mounting and it will likely spill into real estate. Uh, we know that there are stages people would rather kind of miss out on a car payment or a credit card payment before they miss out on a mortgage payment. Uh, but, you know, given that those different areas that we're seeing a rise in delinquencies, uh, it kind of follows that real estate is going to be next. So the latest from Equifax during the first quarter, 
An estimated 175,000 more consumers missed payments on at least one non-mortgage product. This represented an 18.8% annual increase with a growth mainly impelled by sustained economic volatility. Equifax said that this trend was particularly evident in markets like British Columbia and Ontario, which saw the greatest year-over-year increase in 90-plus days non-mortgage balance delinquency rates, which were up 31.1% and 31.2% respectively. So this squares with the data released this morning from the Bank of Canada showing a continued increase in arrears in installment loans, credit cards, and auto, all of which are now at an eight-year high. Equifax also reports that new mortgages or new mortgage origi originations rather dropped 42% in the first quarter of 2023 compared with a year ago, the lowest volume since 2014. The average loan amount was down 13.9% year over year, but only 2.9% from the previous quarter. Uh, StatsCan reports that mortgage borrowing has reached its lowest level since 2003, primarily due to the impact of higher interest rates, as we talked about at the beginning. During the first quarter of this year, households added a net of $11.2 in mortgage debt, marking the smallest increase in two decades. According to a CIBC survey, owning a property remains the top goal for 71% of non-home owners, although the majority of renters, 64%, uh, and current mortgage holders, 2%, are concerned about how inflation and rising rates will affect their ability to keep up with the costs. Thanks for watching. That's it for this week. Stay tuned for the next episode.